Good morning, good morning, good morning. We're glad you're here this morning. If you're joining us, I want to extend my welcome along with all that you've already heard. Thank you for being here, whether you're physically here or digitally here. We're glad you're here. Um, we're glad that you chose to uh, share your time with us this morning. Um, there is a lot of things going on that, that I like to keep you guys abreast of because I know you don't always know everything. Um, yesterday for our, our ladies gathering, um, there was uh, Friday evening, all day Saturday, most of the day Saturday, there was nearly 40 ladies here who uh, met and uh, studied the Bible together and, and heard some inspirational messages, shared fellowship, and uh, that's exciting. That's, uh, that's one of those things that when you see, when you see segments of the church, whether it's youth group or children's ministry or ladies ministry, men's ministry, that's fruit. That's what we call that. You see fruit uh, coming to bear because God's at work among us, and that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Um, many of you noticed, uh, or maybe you didn't, that uh, the, the, the Right Now Media people weren't here today. That's, that's because they had some scheduling things. Don't worry about that. They wanted to come next weekend, but I told them that was Mother's Day. They can't have that. So they will be coming on the 16th. If, uh, if you need to know that, if that's a, an issue for you, I wanted you to be aware of that because I want to keep you uh, up to date on that. Now, the, the, the quandary there is the 16th is also going to be LTC Sunday. For those of you who are unfamiliar, LTC is Leadership Training for Christ. It is a, uh, I call it like Christian UIL. If you remember uh, when you were in school, the UIL tournaments and stuff, um, that's kind of what this is. They do Bible reading and and, and uh, like a Bible bowl, and they do uh, song leading and scripture reading, and and uh, uh, there's puppets and there's drama and there's man, there's all kind of things. And our students participated in that on uh, Easter Sunday, uh, came away I think with all golds. It, you have to ask Heather to be sure, but uh, very impressive showing. Oh, I'm getting a head nod. Yes, um, came away with all gold medals, which is uh, exciting. And now. On the 16th, those students will present uh, some of the things that they did at LTC to you, the congregation. So you want to be here for that. That's exciting, something fun to be a part of. Um, this morning, we're continuing our series on uh, the, the study of 1 Corinthians, and, and that church is, is what we call a hot mess. And, and Paul is writing to that church and trying to address the mess that it is, this dysfunctional church and and he's he's addressed the division he's addressed the factions he's told them to grow up and and now he's going to uh he's going to talk to him a little bit about something that i think is exciting for us to understand if you were a first century jew it was all about the temple see the temple was not just a place this wasn't just a a building that you went to to worship like we would think of a church building the temple was so much more than that. The temple was where heaven and earth met. The temple was where God came into residence. The temple was also Jewish identity. They were the chosen people of God, and that was marked by God's presence among them, and God's presence dwelt in the temple. It was part of who they were. The temple was such an integral part of being a Jew that it, it, was, it was inseparable. You have to go all the way back to the beginning, back to the, 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 the Old Testament of the Old Testament. If you, 
Genesis 1 through 11. That's, uh, I, I call that the Old Testament of the Old Testament because that's, that's kind of the, 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 the creation and then there's sin and then it just keeps spiraling downwards until finally God connects with, with Abraham and starts to, to work to fix it. Um, but the Old Testament of the Old Testament, you say, well, there's not a temple there. Well, well, yeah, there is if you read it. Because temple language is used throughout the story of the Garden of Eden. God creates this world. And there's this world that He's created for His glory. And in that world, He creates a special place. A place where God would commune with mankind. Where heaven and earth would meet. And in the center of that special place is this life-giving tree of life. That is, that is giving eternal life to everyone who partakes of it. And the last thing you put in a temple before you create a temple is you put in the image. And God puts mankind in there to be the living image bearers of God. And so that's all temple language. And so the, the temple starts way back in creation. God's idea of, of communing with mankind where heaven and earth would meet. And then what happens? We mess it up because that's what we as humans do. We mess it up. God creates this perfect setting, and, and, and we mess it up, and then we mess it up some more, and then we mess it up some more. And like I said, uh, all the way through chapter 11, it's just a downward spiral of getting worse and worse and worse. But God doesn't walk away. God doesn't give up. God doesn't wash his hands of the whole thing and say, I, I, I've done. Instead, in one of the greatest stories of grace in the Bible, God chooses to create a nation. A nation through whom he will bless all the nations of the earth. A nation through whom salvation will come to all of creation. And how does he choose to do that? Like I said, one of the greatest stories of grace in the Bible, he chooses a 75-year-old childless nomad who has nothing to offer, nothing except his righteousness. And God chooses Abraham, not because Abraham deserved it, not because Abraham was great, but because God said, look, I'm going to make you a promise. The Bible calls it a covenant. And he says, I'm going to make you a promise. I'm going to make a covenant with you. And through you, you will not only have children, you will have a great nation. I'm going to give you the land where you're living. And through you, every nation on earth will be blessed. Then, over time, there's Abraham, there's Isaac, there's Jacob. God meets again with Jacob, right? Uh, he gives Jacob a vision of, of angels uh, ascending and descending a ladder. And, and, and Jacob wakes up, and then, and then he wrestles with God. You know all the, the story. And, and Jacob names this place where he has this vision, where he has this experience, Bethel, house of God. And, and it is temple imagery once again because heaven and earth are meeting in this space. The children of Israel then become this great nation. Jacob's name is changed from Jacob to Israel. And these children of Israel continue to expand and grow and multiply. And the children of Israel become such a great nation that they become a threat to the Egyptians in whose land they are living. And so they are enslaved. 
so they are used for, for manual labor, and they cry out to God. And God hears them, and God redeems them. He sends Moses. He sends Moses to rescue them, to lead them out of Egypt. And he, and, he, and, he, and he leads them out. Remember when Moses first goes to Pharaoh? He doesn't go to Pharaoh saying, let the people go so that they can go to the promised land. He says, let them go into the wilderness and worship their God. Because they can't worship here among all these pagan images, among all these idols, among all this, this, this stuff that you've got going on here. Let them go out into the wilderness. That becomes, let my people go. And so they do go. God redeems them. God saves them. God takes them out into the wilderness. And there he meets with them at a place called Sinai. Heaven and earth. Once again, meeting. We're still seeing that temple language. God's spirit manifesting itself and coming to touch base, to connect, to have relationship with humankind. And after that meeting, God gives Moses a vision, a vision of, of a tent, a tent where God will come and meet with people, with him, with his people. Uh, he calls that a, a tabernacle. And Moses takes that vision and begins to create this place. The same spirit who in Genesis is said to hover over the face of the deep before creation begins now comes to reside in this tent, in this tabernacle. And he leads them from the wilderness into this land that he had promised Abraham centuries before. And so God's promises to Abraham begin to come true. The children of Israel are, in fact, a great nation. They, they are, in fact, a numerous nation. But how is God going to bless all nations through them? Well, as the nation of Israel grows and matures... Finally, we have a succession of kings, Saul, David, and Solomon. Solomon builds God a permanent resting place. In 2 Chronicles, we read of, of Solomon's dedication of the temple in chapter 6 and 7. And Solomon prays this beautiful prayer after he's built this magnificent temple. And Solomon prays this beautiful prayer. And, and then in chapter 7, verse 1, when Solomon finished praying... Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Heaven and earth meet. The Spirit of God comes down in power to rest in this temple that Solomon had created. The first stone temple of the Jewish people was built around 950 B.C. On the day of the dedication. The, the, what the Jews called the Shekinah, the glory of Yahweh, the glory of God, would come down in fire and, and would, would manifest itself in that temple, just as it had once filled the tent of meeting, the tabernacle. This became the assurance of, of the divine presence. This became the assurance for them that they were, in fact, God's people because God came to dwell among them. They could see it. There was a presence and he lived among them in this sacred space. This made Solomon's temple now both the center and the centering place of not just Israel, but of the entire world. When the Babylonians destroyed the temple and took the Jews into exile in 587, its 
it no doubt prompted among these Jewish people a crisis of faith. Because the temple was destroyed. The temple was the place that God lived. The temple was the place where heaven and earth met, where God communed with his people. If it was destroyed, did that destroy their identity? Did it destroy them as a nation? Could God meet with them in exile? Could God find them among the pagan idols in exile? And God could, and he did. People like Ezra and Nehemiah eventually convince the people that they must go back to Jerusalem, and they do, and, and, and they rebuild the temple so that God could once again be with them. But there is no account of the Shekinah fire once again descending on that temple. This second temple is the only temple that Jesus and the apostles would have ever known. And the presence of God is not visibly manifested like it had always been before. That, that absence of the visible Shekinah glory of God must have been a bit of an embarrassment. And, and truthfully, a bit of worry for the children of Israel. Because your identity rests in the fact that God communes with you, that God is, is part of you, that God that you are the nation through whom God communicates to the world. And if you don't see that, have that, feel that presence, like your forefathers talked about, is it really there? Or has God abandoned you? This created this rise of, of some of these religious sects, Pharisees and the like. Because they started to believe that the problem is just that we're not following the religious code strictly enough. If we would follow it a little more strictly, then that glory would return to Israel. If we just did everything right, then, then God would come back. And the problem is not that, that, that God has abandoned us, but, but that we drove God out because we didn't follow His correct ritual. His correct code, His correct moral laws. And so everything had to be done more perfectly. The, the, the absolute perfect ritual, the absolute perfect priesthood, the absolute perfect Sabbath purity. And, and then if we do this right, the glory of God would return to the temple. This is a, a common thread you'll find in, in uh, legalistic religions, that if we just do it right, then we'll somehow earn God's favor. They tried so hard, but the fire never, ever descended. And so then they started asking, are, are we really God's chosen people anymore? What happened? What's changed? And then one night, in the little town of Bethlehem, the angels appeared in force. And what did they proclaim? Glory to God in the highest. The glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God has returned to earth. Heaven and earth have once again met. John says it like this in John, verse 1, John chapter 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Literally, that Greek reads there, the, the Word became flesh and pitched His tent among us. Tabernacle. That's the imagery. That once again, 
the presence of God had returned to Israel, not in a building, not in a tent, but in a person, in the person of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God will visibly come to rest on Jesus at baptism, just like in the tabernacle. The Spirit will descend on the person of Jesus of Nazareth, and no more will the temple be a place, it will now be a person, a person in whom heaven and earth meet. And then we mess it up, because that's what we do. This person in whom heaven and earth meet, the person who, who inhabits, who, who in whom the Shekinah glory of God inhabits, is tortured and crucified horribly by the Romans. And you would think the story would be over, because that's usually the end, right? But the story's not over, because after Jesus is gone, an amazing thing happens. On the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem in Acts 2, on that day, what happens? A fire from heaven descends on not a building, but on a people. And that fire, that Shekinah fire, descends not on a building, not on a temple, not on a religious place of worship, but on people. And all peoples, not just Jews, were baptized and received the Spirit of God. So now, it's no longer a place. It's no longer a, a, a garden. It's no longer a tent. It's no longer a temple. It is a place. It is a people where heaven and earth meet. A, a group of called out, set, set aside people. What the Bible calls a church. And that brings us to our text this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? We cannot overstate how big a statement that is. We cannot overstate to a, a first century second temple Pharisee like Paul how big a deal that statement would have been. You, now remember, this is not an individual you. This is not talking about smoking and drinking. You've heard that preached before. That's wrong. It's not what this is about. This is a plural you. We're from Texas. We would say, y'all are God's temple. They can't get it right. They don't know. But y'all, this is a you all. This is a plural. Y'all are God's temple. This is but the church. The group of people called together by Jesus are now the place where heaven and earth meet. Not in a building built with stone or mortar. It, it, it's, it's a people. A people called out by God and found to be in Christ Jesus. And so now when you get that concept in your mind, when you realize what a big deal this is for Paul, you will hear people tell you that Paul's greatest teaching was about justification by faith. That was his whole purpose. That's wrong. Paul's whole purpose was that Jesus is the fulfillment of all Scripture. Everything has been leading to Jesus. And through Jesus, you are now the temple of God. You, as the church, are the place where heaven and earth meet. 
God's Spirit comes to live among you. There is no bigger statement that Paul could make. And so now when you get that, you understand why division is such a big deal to him. Because you can't break up the temple. You can't start having a temple annex. You can't have a temple down the road. There is the temple of God. There's not a fractured, broken building. And and Paul's going to say in the next verse, when you start tearing down the temple of God, you're in a dangerous, dangerous place. Now let's talk about us. Because what implications does that have for us in 21st century America today? There are a few things I want you to see here. Number one, you need to be part of a church. You need to be part of a church. Specifically, you you can sit and watch worship at home. You can pray at home. You can read your Bible at home. But God's plan for His people is the church. And sometimes it's like Corinth. It's a mess. And so you'll hear people say, well, I don't go to church because of all the hypocrites. Well, I'm sorry. There's going to be sinners here because we're just a bunch of sinners. And there's going to be hypocrites here. And there's going to be people who don't get it perfect, just like you. That's why you belong here. Because we're no different than you. We're no better than you. We're no more saintly. We're no more righteous. We're no more holy. We're a hot mess. But we have been saved by grace through Jesus Christ. And now the church is the place where heaven and earth meet. You need to be part of a church. Yes, it's messy. And there's going to be people you don't like. And there's going to be people that annoy you. And there's going to be people that look at you funny and judge you. And it doesn't matter. Because the church is God's plan for the world. It's the place where heaven and earth meet. And to truly commune with God, you've got to be part of a church. Now that goes against our American sensibilities. We like to be independent. We're even worse because we're Texans. We're even more independent than the average American. We're just part of the United States because they needed our help. But it's still true that as independent as we can be, we have to be part of a church. Because the second thing is the presence of God is found in the church. The temple is where God dwells with his people throughout biblical history. From the beginning to now, the temple is where God dwells with his people. And so if the people of Jesus Christ are the temple of God, that means it is through these people that God wants to have relationship with the world. That means that you as a part of the church are God's conduit to meet with the world. Paul's going to later say you're God's ambassador. You're, you're God's fragrance. You're God's perfume. You are God's method of, of reaching the world. The, the, the church is God's plan for communing with his creation. Heaven and earth meet in the temple. And, and that's the third point. There is no backup plan. The church is God's plan. There is no other plan. And, and so when I hear people saying, well, I'm, I'm done with church, you can't be done with church if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ because there is no other plan. God's plan for reaching and saving a lost and dying world is the church. 
period, end of story. The place where heaven and earth meet. And so that is what the church should be about. Benevolence is good, programs are good, child care is good, uh, ladies' days are great, all those things that we're doing, they're all wonderful and you need to be a part of all of them. But the church is here to be God's outreach, to be God's conduit of relationship with a lost and dying world. The mission of the church is to call people into communion with God. And people would come from all over the world to come to the temple, to connect with God. But Jesus changed that. Now the temple is not a place where people are supposed to come to. The temple is a people that are supposed to go out. Go into all the world. He doesn't say, set up a place where everybody can come to you. He says, you get busy about the business of being God's presence in this world. There's no backup plan. The world won't be saved through politics or through uh, cancel culture or through uh, social justice or whatever blank you want to, whatever word you want to fill in that blank with. The world is only going to be saved by relationship with God through the person of Jesus Christ, period. And God's plan for that is the church. There's no backup plan. God's plan for meeting the world is the church. Paul over and over declares this truth, that that this has changed his life, that the temple of God has been rebuilt, and the Spirit of God has descended on it, and it's not in Jerusalem, it's in the church. So what does that ancient building have to do with you? If you're a Christ follower, it frames your entire spiritual life and calling. We don't need to rebuild an ancient building on the exact spot. There are people who think that if they just get that done, that the world's going to end. No, that's just a building now. The Spirit of God resides in the church, and He's calling you, yes, actually y'all, to function as little temples today wherever you are. And so we're not going to be one of those churches that has 80 bajillion programs and we're trying to get people plugged into every major different thing. No, because that's not, we're not a temple that we want to pull people into. The temple is the people who meet here. And we're going to try to pump you up and get you fed and get you filled so that you can go out and be the temple of God wherever God has placed you. Because your job, your family, your, your hobby, whatever it is, that you're there for a reason. God didn't put you there so that you could take people to church. He put you there to be the church to those people. That's God's plan for reaching a lost and dying world. God wants you to be His dwelling place. God wants you to be the place where heaven and earth meet. That's the point of Paul, and really, that's the point of the Bible. In the very last chapters of the Bible, John writes about his vision of heaven. After Jesus returns, he sees an extraordinary depiction of this new city of God. But there's something conspicuously missing in this city of God. There is no temple. Why? Why? Because they don't need one. 
Because God is living among them. Jesus is right there with his people. And so the end of the story brings back what we lost in the beginning of the story. God himself dwelling with his people. Heaven and earth meeting. If you're not part of the church this morning, I can't tell you how important that is. You need to come come have relationship with God. And that's found in being a part of a body. The body of Jesus Christ. Only through coming to Him, only through surrendering to Him, only through confessing Him as Lord and repenting and and then being baptized, raised in a new life, the Spirit will descend. The, The Bible says the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal body. And you, Paul says, y'all will be the temple of the living God. Come be a part of God's plan to commune with His creation. Heaven and earth meet. That's what this call is about. If we can help you find that this morning, there are going to be elders and their wives, prayer partners at the back of the room. They are there to pray with you. They are there to help you say, God, I want to get right. I I, I want to be the church. I want to be what you're calling me to be. Maybe you need to publicly make a confession and be baptized. There is nothing more important that we can do than help you with that this morning. And we would be honored and blessed to be a part of that. However we can serve you, you need to come meet God. Have relationship with God right now while together we stand and sing. Buried with Christ, my blessed Redeemer, dead to the old life of folly and sin. Satan may call, the world may entreat me. There is no voice that answers within. Dead to the world, to voices that call me. Living anew, obedient but free. Dead to the joys that once did enthrall me. Yet is not I, Christ liveth in me. Sin hath no more its cruel dominion. Walking in newness of life, I am free. Glorious life of Christ, my Redeemer, which he so richly shares with me. Dead to the world, 